This is the Purpose Church Podcast. We exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. Good morning, church. Hey, stay standing if you would for just a minute. Psych, I saw that over there. Anyone glad to be in God's house on a Sunday morning? This is awesome. This is awesome. I just need to like enjoy looking at the room today. My first time here was the week before COVID shut down. There we were. We were. Um, there's ten people. You know, we were. We were counting the dogs people brought to church that day. You know, we were counting every head we could, and and just to see how faithful God has been to this house. You know, through a pandemic cultural shift, moves, building moves, venue moves, unexpected transitions. God's up to something at the Purpose Church. Is anyone just so thankful God has brought you here? Amen. I invited you to stand today because I just want to honor the word for a minute. It's certainly not going to be about my words over the next few minutes. It's going to be about Jesus and his word. And um, we're here today as the church, we're going to talk about the church, and we're just one little piece of what God is doing on planet Earth. I'm just so thankful for you. I'm thankful for your faithfulness. I thank you that you've chosen to make this house your home, and I'm just praying today that something by the Spirit of God is just going to stir you up in your love for God's house and your love for the Purpose Church. So if we could just all do our part today to give God some space give God some room to talk. I believe God has a message for us today. Would you just join me, anyone in the room that would, would you lift up your hands to heaven right now and just one more time. We just go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, 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 King Jesus, King over the church, the head of the church, the chief cornerstone of the church. We've gathered under your name today, the name that is above every name. We're here only because we're saved and called out of darkness and into your light by your glorious grace today, Lord, the redemption we have in your name. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I ask, Father, over the next few minutes, I ask you you would stir our heart and our faith for the church today, God. You'd break our hearts again for your plan and your purpose and what you want to do in this community, what you're already doing on earth, God. It's our privilege, Father, today to play a part in your story. I pray, Father, for the one today, hmm, for the one today, Father, who has been in neutral toward the church. I pray, Father, for the one who's bumped their head at church. Even, Father, the one who feels hurt by the church. Holy Spirit, would you just come right now? I just sense you're in this room right now in a really powerful way. Would you just come in the next few minutes? And would you do what only you can do? Show us something. Show us the truth in your word today. We will be faithful to receive it and give you all the praise and glory for it today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. All God's people said a big amen. Amen. All right. So you may be seated. Thank you for the romantic music there. I appreciate that. You're coming back in a few minutes. 
Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. It is our privilege and our honor to be here today. We love your pastors. Anyone thankful for pastors Landon and Kelly? I, I love them. They are full of joy, full of life. It is not easy doing what they've done, pioneering a new church, a new expression of the church. Thank you both for your faithfulness, for your leadership, for your diligence, uh, for your courage, for your sacrifice. This was not the easy route. You do know that, right? There would have been other routes and yet you took the one that you believe God called you to. I honor you today. And this room is full of fruit from your obedience and your sacrifice. So thank you guys. Help me honor your pastors today and thank God for them. Uh, and I get to have my wife with me today. She's not always with me. Uh, but it was her birthday yesterday, y'all. We are like solidly into our 40s now. Like... Like a couple of years, we're not even near 40 anymore, really, and we're 40 adjacent, you know, and anyways, um, we got to celebrate yesterday in the heat. You all realize it's really hot down here? You realize it's inappropriately hot for this time of year? We're supposed to be in sweaters, not shorts. Anyways, I, I have a bone to pick with Texas right now, but uh, anyways, good to have my, my uh, wife here today. We have two daughters one is 12 and one is 2 because we are awesome at planning. <laughs> um, we had one who is now 12. She is awesome, although preteen life in seventh grade. Y'all, anybody know what I'm talking about there? Okay, we don't need to unpack that thought. Uh, and then um, I, pre-COVID, I traveled about 270 days a year or so. And I went from that to staying home for seven months during the early part of the pandemic, and what I figured out, we had a COVID oops, <laughs> and what I figured out is traveling, going from traveling 270 days a year to staying home for seven months equals getting pregnant. Uh, that's, what we, that's what we figured out. I'll never forget the look on her face. I landed home from my first trip after our shutdown to my wife on the couch, sick as a dog with a positive pregnancy test, and God uh, totally altered our life at that Moment. So we have a 12-year-old girl preteen and a two-year-old girl toddler, and I'll leave it to your best guess which one is the bigger handful on any given day. Spoiler alert, it's not the toddler. Um, so if y'all would just stretch your hands forward right now and pray for your brother in Christ, I would just greatly appreciate us. <laughs> I appreciate that. Us. Hey, um, I'm here today because I feel on assignment uh, from the Holy Spirit uh, in this season to champion the church. And talk about the church. We're going we're gonna to talk about it today. We're going to go there if that's all right. I did not come to impress you. I'm going to warn you. Um, I feel like some ministries have the anointing of the entree. Like it's, it's the ribeye. It's good. It'll fill you up. Some ministries have the anointing of the dessert. You know, it's a sugar high. It goes down sweet. You're going to do a couple laps around the room. Some of you that grew up in church will get that reference. Uh, I feel like I have the anointing of vegetables on my life. Um, I did not come to impress you or be your favorite part of the meal, but I did come to build you. Amen? I did come to, to bring something that I believe will help you if you will apply this today. Um, I'm here also, we are here also because we're products of the church. You know, I'm the kid that's grown up in the same church since I was one year old. I'm the kid that like when Sunday night church was going long and there was no children's ministry, I was the one, like, passed out under the pew. I was the one not given a sick day uh, from church when I, when I tried to play sick. You know, our parents' attitudes 
you know, respectively, we're always like, well, if you're sick, the best place to be is down at the altar, you know, like that kind of nonsense that parents tell our kids, you know, and, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're the kids that um, grew up in youth group, we're the kids, um, I, I, I gave up, I'm not saying you should do this, I felt led to, I gave up a full ride scholarship at my choice university to stay home and go to my church's one year old no name Bible school. Uh, because I felt called by God to go a different route into ministry. I'm just saying, we are products of the church. You know, I don't know if you feel this way, but it's in the church that I feel like I found my purpose. I found my calling. It's in the church where my best friends in my whole life have come from. It's in the church where I had mentors that taught me basic life skills. They don't bother to teach you in school all those years. You know, it's like the church raised us. We're products of the church. And... I want to talk to us today about the church. We're, we're living in a day where it is so trendy and it is so popular to be up on Jesus but be down on his church. Have you noticed that? Spend five minutes on TikTok and you will come across somebody who's got an ax to grind with the church. Someone who's got a comment to make about the church. Someone who's, who's bumped their head along the way has has a bone to pick, has almost turned their hurt into a theology about the church. It's people saying, I want to follow the teachings of Jesus, as if you can separate Jesus from his bride or Jesus from the thing he is king of and the chief cornerstone of. But anyways, we're, we're just going to talk about some of those dynamics today. might get a little tense. I'm okay with it. Can we just breathe? Like, are we good? Okay, that's been a real promising intro, I, I know. Uh, in, before I tell you what I want to tell you today, let me tell you what I'm not telling you. Okay? Let me, let me tell you what I'm not telling you today. I am not telling you or making a case today for the fact that the church is perfect. Because the church is not perfect. In fact, our God specializes at using imperfect people for his perfect purposes. That is the essence of the gospel. So I'm not pretending that the church is uh, without blemishes or chinks in the armor. Spend time in the church for five minutes and you're bound to see it. I'm not telling you today that church leaders are perfect or are always going to get it right. You know, we don't. Uh, churches are led by human beings who are doing their very best to respond to a calling of God. I'm not telling you that church people are always going to be kind and always going to get it right. I'm not telling you that it's always going to be a smooth ride in church life. But in light of all of that and a lifetime in church, here's what I still believe. I still believe the church is the most beautiful community on planet Earth today. I believe that the church is the most beautiful movement the world has ever seen. The church, there is no group more generous than the church. There is no group more loving than the church. There is no group more sacrificial than the church. There is no group that has benefited and furthered society across the world more than the church. 
So today I guess I'm hoping by taking us to some scripture and even taking us through some history, I'm hoping today to remind you of the beauty of the church. I'm hoping you would see today, as a result of this message, you would see the bigness of what we're a part of in the church. This is not just about Purpose Church. This is not even just about San Antonio. God is moving his church forward across planet Earth. The church represents the hope for the world, and we are privileged to get to be a part of it. So here's my message title for you today. I want to talk to us today on this this idea, I still love the church. Remember those old, like, like, I love New York t-shirts? That's kind of what I picture here. You know, it's like, I love, I love my city, or I love, I'm saying I love the church, but in light of kind of the climate out there, my, my statement is I still love the church. Let's talk about it today. Ephesians chapter 1, I, um, Put a pin in Acts 2. We're going to go there in just a minute. Starting with Ephesians 1. Paul is talking. He's writing. The message, paraphrase. I love how it's phrased in the message. It says this. At the center of all of this. Talking about Christ being supreme. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts by which he fills everything with his presence. Look at, look at this. It's, it's not the church that's peripheral in God's view. Like when, when our God looks at the world, it's not the church that's on the outside. No, it's actually the world. Like our, our Father in heaven, his gaze is on his church. His focus is on his church. Just like a man with a bride, he's going to be aware that other women exist, but his focus is on his bride. His bride is the one he's faithful to. His bride is the one he loves. His bride is the one he's focused on. His plan, his primary objective is the further advancement of his Church, do you see that today? It's 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 the the world that's peripheral to the church. The church is his bride. The church is the house that he's building. The church is the family of God, and therefore, it certainly belongs central to our lives. So, Acts chapter two. I asked you to put a pin in there. Let's go there for a minute. We're just gonna. Walk through a bit here. You might even wonder, what what are we talking about when we say the church? Are we talking about that place people check a box on Sunday morning? Or, you know, are we talking about a building? Let, Let me take you to the birthday of the church. Can we go back to the beginning here? Like, where did this whole thing start? Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came. This isn't going to be on the screens. I added this later. Sorry, y'all. When the day of Pentecost came. They were all together in one place. Who is this? this? These are Christ followers. So Jesus has ascended. You know, Jesus rose again. He spent, was it 40 days, you know, in, on earth in like bodily form, but he's resurrected Jesus. Resurrected Jesus was cool, by the way. Resurrected Jesus could, could like 
walk through walls. <laughs> resurrected Jesus could like sidle up next to people and they didn't know who he was. Like resurrected Jesus was awesome. And they got to spend time with Jesus post-resurrection. At this point now, Jesus has ascended. He promised them the Holy Spirit, but he's, he's, he's now away. And so he instructed them, stay together. I'm sending you the Spirit. But, but stay together. So Acts 2 finds them where they should have been. They were gathered together. Honestly, they're probably afraid for their lives. They are about to form something that would oppose the Roman Empire and oppose all Jewish customs. So you have to understand the two big forces in the world, the Romans and the Jews, they were about to oppose them. So they're gathered together, probably afraid for their lives. Verse 2, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. We read that like tongues of fire came and rested on them. That they spoke in other tongues, the Bible says. In other words, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Y'all, this is an incredible moment. Do you understand the significance of this moment? This isn't like VeggieTales, like this isn't happening to cucumbers and tomatoes and is like a cute little. These are God's people gathered, and at this moment, our God pours out his spirit on them. Think about it. What happened in the Garden of Eden? Man was separated from God. Communion with God was broken. What happened at the Tower of Babel? When man tried to build in unity and oppose God, like, like communion with other people, work, uh, ability to work together was broken at the Tower of Babel. Languages were confused. And think about how redemptive this moment is. In one moment, with the filling of the Holy Spirit, think about it. Man can now commune with God again. Eden was broken. And in one moment, Babel is broken. Man could now work across languages again because it says they, they spoke in other tongues. They were able to understand each other all of the sudden. Isn't this beautiful? Like, this is an incredibly redemptive central moment. The church is born. Believers now have communion with God. What is their first act? What's the first thing they do upon being filled with the Holy Spirit. They left the upper room, where it's believed that happened, and they went to the temple. Now, why is that significant? Is this a can the Bible lesson okay for you all this morning? I'm not sure why you came to church, but this is what we're doing today, okay? Um, they went to the southern steps of the temple. Why is that significant? This is happening during the Feast of Pentecost, in other words, this is one of three feasts. Oh, this is, this is going to be so cool for you to see this. This is one of three feasts where Jewish people from across the world would gather. One of three times a year where, where Jews from around the world would gather back in Jerusalem. So in other words, in the Jewish world, the eyes of the Jewish world were on Jerusalem at this moment. This is one of the high notes. This is one of the holiday weekends, so to speak. This is a big deal. So people are gathered from around the world in Jerusalem. And they would have all been going into the temple because it's 9 in the morning. We know that. We, they would have all been headed into the temple to worship. What is this little band of rebels' first act upon being filled with the Holy Spirit? Look at it. They go to the busiest place in town. 
They go to the place in town that the eyes of the world are on. And Peter stands up and gives the church his first sermon. He declares Jesus. He declares that salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. He declares that God raised him from the dead. And it says on that day, 3,000 people were added to their numbers. Pretty spectacular, right? Well, it misses the point. Pastors love to quip and say, you know, this is the, this is the world's first mega church. You know, the, the church numbered 3,000 people. That, I understand the point there. It misses, it misses the bigger picture of what's going on at this moment. This wasn't 3,000 people that would stay in Jerusalem. Remember, Jews from all over the world have gathered. This is 3,000 people who would confess Christ and then go home to the nations of the world. Theoretically faithful to represent Jesus. How strategic is our God? He poured out his spirit. The church was born on a day where it would then be scattered instantly to the nations of the world. That is the birthday of the church. And guess what? For the last 2,000 years, from that day until now, the most selfless, sacrificial people the world has ever known have been church builders. Like for the last 2,000 years, men and women have, have, have done everything in their power to see the name of Jesus preached and the church move forward. Like men and women that would rather burn at a stake than deny the name of Jesus. Men and women that would risk everything to translate Bibles and smuggle Bibles across borders. Men and women that would do leave comfort and do anything to plant local churches and build the church. Y'all, this is our heritage. This is our story. This is what we're a part of. So when we say, are you glad to be in church this morning, I hope today you see we're a part of something really amazing. We're a part of something that governments for the last 2,000 years have not been able to silence. We're a part of something that dictators have not been able to eradicate. We're a part of something that represents the plan and the purpose of God. You see, God chose the church. Do you see that today? God chose the church. The church is not the kingdom of God, but the church is God's vehicle to declare and bring the kingdom of God to earth. And we believe that the church represents the hope of the world. The greatest shot our world has at knowing our God. So as someone who you know, a couple who we spend our lives every day out amongst the church. Let me just say God's doing something really special in the church right now. It's new. It's fresh, especially in the last couple of years. But Jesus is building his church. So I thought what I would do today for our, our time together, I thought I would give you my top five convictions about the church right now. And some of these are probably poking a little fun, you know, receive it. In the spirit intended, but I just want to share with you the top five things I think about the church right now. Are we good? Are we here for a couple minutes? Okay, here's number one. My, my top conviction about the church is this. Don't listen to the news. Don't listen to the news. Subtext on that is the church is moving forward. The church is moving forward. You turn on the news for five minutes, you're going to see a report about how the church is in decline. Millennials and Gen Z don't want anything to do with the church. You're, you're going to hear all that. 
you're going to hear about empty church buildings. You're going to hear about God isn't moving. I am here to tell you today that nothing could be farther from the truth. It misses the story. Jesus, in Matthew 16, verse 17, he's having a moment with his disciples, and he says this, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. This was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. I tell you that you are Peter, which, by the way, Peter would preach the first sermon that we just read about. You are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Let's keep reading. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. By the way, these keys are still ours today. The authority that we have as the church. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I will build my church. Here's the truth. The truth is that the church is growing around the world today. Quite frankly, there are more people a part of the church today than there were one year ago. Bottom line. <laughs> there is an estimated 300,000 Christian churches in the United States today. There's an estimated 3 million churches around the world. Now, those estimates uh, are up for debate considering many people gathered today and this weekend in secrecy and in private because many people cannot worship Jesus freely and openly like we can in a Western context. So that number could be as high as 20 million, some say. But we can go conservative and say 3 million. So just get that in your mind. 300,000 U.S., 3 million worldwide. For comparison, <laughs> Starbucks, which seems like it's everywhere, right? You turn a corner and there's a Starbucks. Starbucks has 16,000 U.S. locations. We have 300,000 churches. I just want you to understand, compare. Worldwide, Starbucks only has 32,000 locations versus 3 million churches. The church is everywhere. The church is alive, y'all. There are 50,000 more churches in the U.S. today than there were 30 years ago. 50,000 more. There are an estimated 2.8 billion Christians in the world, which is a 44 million increase since 12 months ago. 44 million people. For context, there are only 1.4 billion cars in the world. So there is a billion more Christians than there are vehicles. The next time you see the freeway crowded and you see the traffic even overseas, you see pictures of that, just realize there's still more Christians in the world than that. The church is everywhere. That, that, that small little band of 120 people on the day of Pentecost, look what it's become. It's everywhere. Side note, <laughs> the church is also the most diverse group in the entire world. Think about this. We, we often wonder, like, is our church diverse? Which just means, do we have, you know, 
what we consider to be appropriate percentages of different skin colors or whatever. You know, all that misses the point so much. We shouldn't be asking ourselves, is our specific, our church needs to represent our community, bottom line. Whatever our community looks like is what our church needs to look like. That we would be effective in reaching our community. But y'all, zoom out a little bit. The church is represented by almost every nationality in the world. The church is represented by almost every language in the world. The church is the single most diverse group of people on planet Earth today. Anyone? Just that alone, like I could stop right there. Does that just make you a little bit more proud to be a part of God's church and to be a, a Christ follower today? Like God is moving so my point, don't listen to the news. The, the church is moving forward. Okay, number two, here's my second conviction for you. It's not about us. It's not about us. We're not that good. <laughs> the church moves forward by the grace of God. Here's the principle here. The Bible says we labor in vain unless he builds the house. So the principle here is we labor but God builds. So we labor. We are busy. We are faithful. We put our hands to the plow. But it is ultimately God who builds the church. Thank God, for example, thank God for a worship team that showed up this morning with excellence. Amen? They practiced. They prepared. They, they led us into the presence of God. Like, thank God for that. But worship team, let's remember, it's not your musical talent that builds the church. We labor, right? But God builds. It's not about us. It's not about our grand plan. Keep in mind, I'm someone who spends most of my life talking church strategy. I'm here all day long to help the church be better, smarter, move forward. But we have to humble ourselves and stand in awe that our God has a plan. Our God has a design. He is the architect. He is the chief cornerstone of the church. He is building his church. I, I, when I think of purpose church, I just think of a church. God has a plan for this house. God has a design for this house. And we will build effectively when we build according to that plan. It is not about us. It is not about our gifting. It is not about our talent. It is not about our skill. It is not about our skinny jeans or good hair or charisma at the end of the day. It is about God. It is about his plan. It is about his anointing and his spirit that builds a healthy, great, sustaining church. Amen. It is not about us. The church moves forward by the grace of God. Second Timothy 1 and 9. He has saved us and he has called us to a holy life. Look at it. Not because of anything we've done. Nothing we've done. But because of his purpose and his grace. We labor. Come on, someone say that after me. We labor. God builds. We labor. God builds. Number three, my third conviction about the church, faithfulness is the new hotness. <laughs> faithfulness is the new hotness. <laughs> the church moves forward through everyone's contribution. The church moves forward through everyone's contribution. What, what's the goal? What's the goal in church life? Is it to build a big church? No. I mean, I love churches that are growing. It means we're reaching more people. It's not the goal in and of itself. It's not the target. Is it to build a cool church? Is it to build 
an Instagrammable church? Like, what's the target? What are we after here? I would argue our target is to build a faithful church. A church that Jesus himself looks at and says, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servants. For context, in the book of Revelation, you know the scary book at the end of your Bible you don't read? (laughs) In the book of Revelation, it's an incredible book, by the way. In the book of Revelation, the book starts with Jesus writing seven letters to seven churches. Now, context, this is the persecuted early church. This is about 60 years after Acts chapter 2. So times are tough for the church. Some of the church's earliest founders are dead or have been martyred. Uh, The Romans are bearing down on the church. So, So this is written to a church under pressure or churches under pressure. You understand the context here? Jesus writes seven letters to seven churches, basically saying what he thinks about what's going on in the church, okay? And he kind of gives his assessment as brilliantly and only as Jesus can do. Here's what's interesting. Again, this is the persecuted early church. What's interesting is of the seven letters, five of them are rebukes. Jesus saying, I see you're doing this, but this I have against you. This I have against you. Now, no context. This is the persecuted early church. And Jesus still had some things to say. Don't you think in our Western, free, well-resourced context, we ought to be a little bit humble about how we're building church, Pastor? I mean, don't you, if Jesus were to write a letter to your church and my church, I wonder what he'd say. I know that's kind of like not the point where we're going to get a lot of applause here. But I just want to remind you, faithfulness is the goal. A church that Jesus would look at and say, well done, Purpose Church. Like, you were faithful to represent me well to the world. You were faithful to give. You were faithful to serve. You were faithful to do the part that I asked you to play. Well done. May that be the letter that Jesus would write to this church if he were to write one. Okay, I'm going to show you something. I didn't show it in the first service uh, to the media team. I'm going to use my illustration from the end of my message here. I want to show you something. In just a minute, don't don't put it up yet. In just a minute, I'm going to show you a list of something. Um, I got thinking uh, a few months ago. If you read through the New Testament, you read through the letters, which, remember, are written to churches. When you read through these letters, there are names referenced that we don't know who they are. You know, Paul will greet, say hi to so-and-so, say hi to so-and-so. And these are names that um, never get sermons. Like, who are these people? They, well, well, they were church members. They were leaders in churches. They were leaders just like you and me. You know, they may not have been the one, the pastor of the church, but they were significant contributors and I just got thinking, who are these people? So me and a team, we got together and we looked up and researched every named believer in the New Testament that wasn't a pastor of a church. And I want to show you the list. Go ahead and put it up now. This is a list of 120 names. Every single that we could find, every single named believer in the early church. Now keep in mind, the early church numbered at this point probably in the hundreds of thousands 
of people. And of the hundreds of thousands of people, these roughly 120 people got called out for some reason. We don't, we don't always know why. Just look at that. Isn't that cool, by the way? You've never heard a sermon on most of those names. You, you've, you don't even know some, where, where they lived. I didn't. I had to look most of them up. Can I tell you about a couple of them? We're talking about the church moving forward through everyone's contribution. Every single one of these people contributed to their church moving forward, whether you know it or not. I could tell you about Phoebe. Phoebe, I think we have some of these up. Phoebe was a deacon or a patron in the church um, outside of, uh, I'm missing it on my notes here. She, Phoebe is responsible for delivering the book of Romans, probably the crown jewel of Paul's writings. She is responsible for delivering the book of Romans to Rome, an 800-mile journey. First of all, she paid for it because she was a businesswoman, and she was a deacon. She was a leader in the church, and she is noted in Scripture as being an encourager of many. I want you to think about that for a minute. This is 800-mile journey. This isn't USPS, y'all. This isn't UPS. This isn't Amazon two-day shipping. This is an 800-mile journey by foot delivering something the Romans would have considered oppositional to their reign. And she delivered a book that now many, I just read it this morning, that many of us hang our faith on today. Phoebe contributed and moved the church forward. Amen? I could tell you about Aquila and Priscilla. They were a part of the church in Corinth and eventually helped found the church in Ephesus. church in Ephesus was probably one of the largest and most, um, uh, one of the most sizable churches in uh, this era. They were business owners. They were church planters. They hosted the church in Ephesus in their home. They, they were hungry for biblical accuracy, which was important because they didn't have scripture, right? They didn't have um, you know, the Bible printed. So, so teaching, their, their, their teaching being without error was important. Um, later, when uh, Paul is writing his final book, when he's writing 2 Timothy, he's writing his final book from prison, his final words that we know of, it's really cool. He says right at the end, he says, hey, say hi to Aquila and Priscilla for me. In other words, all those years later, he's like my faithful friends. They're still at their post. They're still serving. They're still building. They're still a part of the church. Aquila and Priscilla contributed to move the church forward. I could tell you about Epenetus. Epenetus is known, he's from the church in Rome. He is known as the first convert for the church in Asia. Some of you were the first convert for like your family or the first convert you know of. Imagine being the first convert for the church in a continent. <laughs> the responsibility on your life. Epenet has moved the church forward. I could tell you about Archippus. You've never heard a sermon on Archippus. Have you? You've never heard on Archippus. Archippus was kind of a campus pastor or a church staff member, so to speak, at the church in Colossae. He is referred to by Paul as a fellow soldier in Christ. I could tell you about Epaphras. Epaphras was also from the church in Colossae. He was a teacher. He was a leader. He was imprisoned with Paul. At one point, he helped plant a church, was eventually martyred. He is referred to by Paul as a 
faithful servant of Christ, the only other person in Scripture Paul refers to as a faithful servant in Christ is Timothy, who's probably one of the most notable of all the church leaders from that. They think about that, a faithful servant in Christ. Epaphras moved the church forward. I could tell you about Lydia. Lydia was a businesswoman at the church in Philippi. Lydia hosted Paul and Silas in her home. And she was described, like she goes down in scripture being described as a worshiper of God. Wouldn't you want that? Some of you who are business owners, I hope you start seeing yourself in this. These weren't church staff members. These weren't paid ministry people. These were people who actually used their business and used their resources to further and contribute to the plan and purposes of God. A couple more. I could tell you about Clement. This one's cool. Clement. Now, this is a big if. I will admit this is an if. But many scholars believe this is true. If this Clement, who's mentioned in um, the book of Philippians, is the same Clement that we know of in the early church in Rome, which many believe it is, this Clement mentioned in Scripture would go on to be one of the first fathers of the church in Rome, essentially one of the first popes. I want you to think about this. When Scripture was being written in that era, he would have been about mid-20s sitting in church. In other words, when the early church leaders were starting to age out, he was mid-20s sitting in church under their leadership. And he would go on to, like, be a major figure in that generation of the church. He's considered one of the key bridges from the first generation of the church to the second generation of the church. It makes me wonder... What young person is sitting in this room today with a call of God on your life, like being stirred by the plan and purposes of God? You may go out of here and do something we never know about. Like you never know who's sitting right next to you. Clement moved the church forward. Last one, I could tell you about Persis. Persis was a member of the church in Rome. Do you want to know what we know about her? Absolutely nothing. She's one of many. We, we know nothing about her, her family, her life. But you know how she was described in Scripture? She was described as she worked very hard for the Lord. Paul said that of her. Persis works very hard. Like, would you be faithful to contribute if all that was ever written about you was he worked really hard for the Lord? She worked really hard for the Lord. What are we talking about today? I'm telling you today, faithfulness is the new hotness. Like the church moves forward when every single person contributes. Amen? Worship team can come today. Help play me off like the Oscars. It'll be helpful. I got two more. They're going to be fast. My next conviction is in the form of a question. Are you a renter or an owner? Because the church moves forward through an ownership spirit. Each one of those leaders I just mentioned, their assignment moved forward because they owned it through difficulty, through trial. They owned their moment. Are you a renter or an owner? I mean, there's a difference between renting something and owning something, isn't there? When we got pregnant a couple years ago, I went out and bought us a new car. Mama needed a new car. We only had one at the time. Um... I got to drive a new car off the lot. Pretty fun experience, right? I'm the guy with, like, the unlimited car wash membership on the car. 
I'm the guy who, like, details the trunk. I'm the guy with the food rules in the car. Like, no, I, I am opposed to the spirit of crushed up goldfish crackers in the crevices of the car in the name of Jesus. Anyone else just want to join me in that? Amen. Parents unite. Why am I like that? Why? Why, why, why would someone be like that? It's my car. I got to pay for it. So I want to get in something nice, right? This is not, no condemnation if your car is messy. That's not the point of this point here, okay? But when you own something, you take care of it. You take pride in it. You own the good moments and the bad moments. Remember, I still love my church. (laughs) Now, Lindsay and I are driving a rental car on this trip. We drove up today in a rental car. How many of you know I could care less about that car? Like, I drove through that storm last night in that car, you know. Like, I, like you'll take a pothole at 100 miles an hour and not give a rip about a rental car, right? Why? 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 It's not yours. If it gets busted, whose problem is it? Budget's problem. <laughs> Enterprise can deal with it. Alamo can deal with it. It's not my problem. I guess I'm just wondering, are you a renter? of the vision of this house, or do you own the vision of this house as if it were your own? Because the church moves forward. Don't do renters. I'll give anybody a moment where you're coming and checking something out. I'm okay with that. But at some point, if this house is your home, I'm calling you higher. The church moves forward through an ownership spirit. And finally today, (laughs) my last point is just kind of funny. My last conviction about the church is don't talk about my mama like that. Don't talk about my mama like that. You know your family, right? Like sometimes mom's a little quirky. You don't have to say amen if your mom's in the room. Okay, I I understand. You know, sometimes mom's got her idiosyncrasies. Dad's got his annoyances. But at the end of the day, they're family still. And, you know, I can point out my mom's idiosyncrasies, but don't you talk about my mama like that. (laughs) Right? Like, that's family. What it means to be family is we see each other's imperfections, and yet we're still family. And we're still committed to each other. And we don't let criticism stand against our family. I think the church needs to get back to a point of pride about being a Christian and being a part of the local church. In a climate that has so much to say about the church, I am saying today I still love the church. I am saying today I'm still for the church. Jesus is building his church, and I'm not going to be found tearing down the very thing that Jesus is building up. So when someone wants to talk about mom, I kind of view the church like my mom. Think about it. Like the church raised all of us. Those of us that have been in the house, the church raised us. She nurtured us. She grew us up in our faith. And mama may have some idiosyncrasies. (laughs) The church may not be perfect, but hey, on TikTok, I'm going to get down in the comment section all day long and say, don't you dare talk about my mama that way. I'm, I'm joking. I'm not going to do a comment section war. But you get my point, right? Like, like, it's time that we return to a place of pride and confidence about the church and fully say, like, like I'm really proud. I'm proud to be a Christian. I'm proud to be a part of God's church. I'm proud to be a part of the thing he's doing on planet Earth today. So let's review. Let's go back over our points today. Remember, I'm not telling you the church is perfect. I'm not telling you church leaders are perfect. I'm not telling you church people are perfect. But here's my convictions for you. Don't listen to the news. I promise you, 
the church is moving forward. It's not about us. The church moves forward only by the grace of God. Faithfulness is the new hotness. The church moves forward through everyone's contribution. The baton of faith that has been passed to us is one of faithfulness. My question for you, Purpose Church, is will you be faithful to carry that baton forward? Are you a renter or an owner? The church moves forward through an ownership spirit. And don't talk about my mama like that. The church moves forward when we come together in unity. Amen. Do you receive the word today? Amen. Will you stand to your feet with me? Stand to your feet. I got one more thing to say. I'm on probably my third close now, but can we just hold for a minute? Won't be long. Let me wrap it by saying one more thing. In Acts chapter 2, the church was born. She's launched. She's off and running. The church enjoyed a brief moment of peace. But it wouldn't be long until the church would face two primary enemies. External opposition and internal division. And those same enemies that they faced are still our enemies today. External opposition and internal division. Now, our God will not be mocked. And Jesus said, I'm building my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. We need not worry about external opposition. We need not worry. Greater is Jesus in us than he that is in the world. The church governments this far have not silenced the church, and they will not silence the church. The church will continue to move forward, even in opposition. I respect leaders that are joining teams right now. I feel like, I don't know about you, I feel like we signed up when church life was a little easier in the fun era, you know. Leaders that sign on now, I'm like, you've got some guts, because it's not easy. You know, these these are more difficult days. And yet we're seeing leaders everywhere. I have a friend of mine planted a church today. Stepped out to do something new. It's just that God is doing something new, something fresh in his church right now. But the other enemy is internal division. The enemy knows if he can't beat us out there, sometimes he'll try to beat us in here. It's just so important that we stand together shoulder to shoulder as the church. The most diverse group on planet earth standing shoulder to shoulder, united under one name, the name of Jesus. May no tactic of the enemy or force of hell ever come between you and your brother and sister in Christ standing between or beside you today. Church United is a church on purpose. Amen. Father, I thank you today for Purpose Church. Thank you for this house. Thank you for this house that you've established. That you're raising up. That you're building through venue transitions and pandemics and God, you're in it, and you're here, and I look across these rooms today, both services, and I just see so much of what you're doing, God. Thank you. Thank you for the increase in this house. Thank you for how you're building this house. May the gates of hell not prevail against this house, Father. Speak a blessing on behalf of our house to this one, Father. I bless this house in the name of Jesus. Everything they put their hands in, may it prosper and be successful for the glory of the kingdom of God. And now, Father, I pray for any single person in this room right now who needed this word today. 
I pray the word would fall on good soil. We receive it today. And with every head bowed and with every eye closed and with every person in prayer, I just want to ask if there's anybody in the room today who feels like you're dealing with church hurt or offense in church, I just want to ask, shame off you. If you've bumped your head in church life, you've seen a leader make a mistake, feel like you've been hurt by a brother or sister in Christ. You stepped out to serve with good intention and yet, you know, stung you. You'll know who you are if I'm talking to you. I believe for you today, there is healing and there is freedom in Jesus' name. That though someone may have hurt you, there is still life in the house for you. There's life in God's family for you. There's actually a new leader or mentor that God would want to put in your life, but first he's got to get you free of some stuff on how that previous one treated you so that you can receive what he has for you. Our God works through authority. He established authority. If I'm talking to you, like, can we just have some privacy in the room so every head bowed, every eye closed? Um, would you just look up at me and raise your hand if I'm talking to you and you'd like prayer today? I'd love to pray, but I'm not going to call you forward. I just want to know if I'm, if I'm talking to anybody and I can pray for you today. Just look up at me and raise your hand. Let me see who you are. Give me a chance. Good. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Anyone else today? Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being transparent today. Father, thank you for every hand and every story, God. God, show them your grace. I pray the healing power of God flow through their heart and their mind that come against the spirit of offense in the name of Jesus. I come against strife and division in the name of Jesus. Father, those moments that stung us, those words that hurt us, Father, would your healing balm cover them right now? We, we speak the blood of Jesus over those moments. I ask you to bring healing. Anything that's out of alignment in us, I commanded to come back into alignment today. We place our hurts and our cares at the feet of Jesus. And we declare those moments done and incapable of affecting our future. God, I pray that you would bring freedom today in the house. Renew joy in the house today, Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for Pastor Landon and Kelly today. I thank you, Father, for their faithfulness. Would you help me pray for your pastors today? Thank you for their faithfulness, for their diligence. Thank you for their hard work. Thank you for their leadership, God. I pray now you'd give them wisdom, wisdom beyond their years, wisdom beyond their experience, Father. I pray you'd give them the blueprint. Help them to see your design for this church. May they be effective, Father, in gathering the team. May they be effective in building leaders, Father. May they be effective in strategy and structure, God. And may they be faithful to what you've called them to do in the name of Jesus. Protect them, Father. Provide for them. Surround them, Lord. Resource them. Bless them. May they have joy every day of their life serving you in this. We thank you for them, Father, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Hey, Purpose Church, it's, I've been gone long today. Thanks for hanging with me. I think pastors are going to come up, but God bless you guys. Thanks for the opportunity to be with you this morning. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church podcast. If God used this message to impact your life, 
Tell us your story by emailing mystory@thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.